Welcome to the Jordan Eckes Sermon Podcast. We hope it brings you great encouragement. In your Bibles, got an easy chapter to find this morning. We'll be in Genesis chapter 1. When you got me a new Bible, and it's not going to stay open to the first part of the book, I did the whole, you know, break it down and try and get it, but it's just going to do the flappy thing all morning. Anyways, we'll try to do our best here. I'll try to navigate that for you guys. Hopefully I can handle it. Uh, I would imagine that if you were uh, at any point uh, in a Sunday school class or at a church long enough, you probably have heard in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, This morning, I hope that you will hear it uh, in, in sort of a spirit of renewal and encouragement, just a reminder of where our foundations and where our origins, our very beginnings come from. It's important for us to kind of be reminded of this. We do care about origin stories. I know that we care about origin stories because Ancestry.com and all of these things are a million, if not billion dollar company of people trying to know and learn about where they come from, and who they're connected to. I also know that people like origin stories because uh, I watch movies, and it seems like uh, the latest fad, or at least Disney, has figured it out that they can make billions of dollars of telling you where their superheroes come from. We care about our story. We care about where we come from. But what I have found is uh, that when we forget where we come from and what we're connected to, we are liable to worship things we shouldn't be worshiping. When we get the origin story correct, when we get and zero in on what this message is all about, what happens in us then becomes, who do I worship? What am I called for? What is my purpose? Why am I here? We tend not to ask that question too often, but we do all ask the question, what is my purpose? What am I, what am I here for? And all of us, we, whether we realize it or not, we base our lives on this sort of answer. We, we ask this question. We want to know, what am I here for? What is my purpose? Who am I to glorify? What am I, what am I to do with my life? So as we think about a new year, as we think about just getting started again and kind of hitting the reset button, you know, I had to, I had to, you know, actually put pants on this week and get going. You know, I was doing the sweatpants thing, and it was like, what is this restrictive clothing that I have to wear? You know, it's like I have to actually be a functional citizen in the world. You know, you can't just be sitting around eating cookies, watching Christmas movies. Um, you know, nothing like hitting Hallmark on repeat, right? Uh, no, but um. What are we here for? What are we here for? Let's hit the reset button. Let's remind ourselves that we are created for a purpose. Let's remind ourselves where we come from. Let's spend time in God's Word. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the story of creation. May we hear it with ears uh, this morning that hear from you of our worth, of our dignity, of your love. May we see your power and your faithfulness. May we see you. May we find our purpose in you. May we get a sense of of who we are called to be today. 
in our family, in our community, in our workplace, among our friends. Lord, may we see our identity in you and what you're doing to renew us, care for us, and work, work on our souls today. God, we are drawn to you. May we worship and glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was, uh, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from wa water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. And God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according with its various kinds, and it was so. And the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. And he also made the stars. And God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the the earth across the vault of the sky so god created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and then moves about in it according to their kinds and every every winged bird according to its kind and god saw that it was good god blessed them and said be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 
And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that, creating that he had done. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's the origin story of where do we come from? How did we come into being? Well, we came into being because God because God created. Every culture that has ever existed has asked the question, where did we come from? The Bible seeks to answer this, and it's not in the answer, it's not in response to, and I'm going to, I don't, it's not as controversial as I think it will actually come out being. Genesis 1 was written not to refute evolution. Evolution, you know, Charles Darwin didn't come about until, you know, a long time after Genesis was written. And so sometimes we pick up the book of Genesis and we bring a lot of questions to it that it really doesn't seek to answer. It's not looking to answer the, against the theory of evolution. Does it respond against the theory of evolution? I think it does. But to pick it up and have it be the sort of manual to refute it, that was not its purpose. It's not what it was written for. And so, does it help, you know, kind of argue against it? Certainly it does. What the book of Genesis is written for is written to Israelites who might struggle with their faithfulness to God as the Creator God. If uh, in our culture, when we experience this, in our culture, are there competing narratives that say something other than God created the heavens and the earth? Yes. And the theory of evolution is one of them among many other theories. In the ancient world, there would have been many competing theories as to where, about where the uh, existence of humankind and all of creation came about. And from it, people derived their meaning and what they worshipped. And here's, uh, judging by you know how I'm communicating right now, maybe I'm not being very clear, and so... Uh, nor is it very exciting, but it's actually somewhat interesting. All right, so in Egypt, if you're an Egyptian, and you know, you know, uh, if you were in Egypt, you had to trust Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the guy. In the creation story of Pharaoh, the the son was a god, and Pharaoh was the only one that sort of could control things. And so Pharaoh was the one that you worshipped and you tried to make happy. Like, he was the boss. So it's like, okay, let's all function to keep Pharaoh happy so he doesn't smite us and destroy us. And so their creation narrative had a lot of emphasis on Pharaoh and his power. How convenient, right? 
But then there are others, and I have to refer to my notes because I, I can't remember all of these things. All right, so in the Babylonian story of creation, the Enuma Elish, who's ever, you know, just picked that up for a nice evening read? Uh, you know, it's like if you're struggling to go to sleep, you could pick up the Babylonian narrative of creation, Enuma Elish, and it's super confusing, lots of crazy names. But the Babylon story of creation says that humans are created as slaves to provide food for various gods. So your existence, your existence is to basically provide food for the gods. That's your whole purpose. That's what you're here for. That sounds delightful, right? Near, nearby Egyptians, they taught that the sun was a god and only Pharaoh bore the divine image. So only he was an image bearer of the god and only he could exercise dominion. So you function to keep Pharaoh happy. Assyrians, they were nearby um, counterparts of Israel. Assyrians thought that the stars, the stars dictated human lives. Canaanite mythology said sea monsters were gods and must be feared. And so all of their, you know, I'm trying to summarize lots of things down to a, a simple thing, and that is, is that there were competing narratives as to what your existence was for, competing narratives as to where you came from, competing narratives that would steal our worship then from the one true God. And so when you read through Genesis 1, it becomes this sort of um, steady drumbeat of this message that says that the Lord is creator of the heavens and the earth. And he's the one who's forming and filling it. And he's the one who sets the stars in the sky. Where one narrative might say that the stars are what dictates your lives. And we still, we still hear that today. You know, what does your astrology say? That comes all the way back to Assyrian culture. That goes all the way back a long, long time ago from a false narrative that says the stars are dictating what you should be doing. They are not your guides. In fact, the one who sets the stars in the sky, he's where your purpose is derived from. He's where your hope comes from. He's the one who sets the purposes of your life. The one who sets the stars also sets your days and your trajectory. And so we need to read this book kind of, uh, you know, kind of take a step back and ask the question, who is this written to and why is it written? Well, there are competing narratives that are warring for the worship of God and God only. And there is competition for worship, and God is wanting his people to remain faithful to him. His people to know that he sets the purposes, he sets the agenda, that he alone is worthy of their worship. Does that make sense? So it's not a book written about evolution, though it certainly can refute that. And I think we ask, you know, picking up Genesis is kind of like adventures in asking the wrong questions. Like, we spent a lot of time debating creation and how long it took and how old the earth is. I don't think there's a quiz when we get to heaven if God says, hey, was it a literal seven days or was it a figurative? I don't think he cares. I think he cares that you love him and devote your life to him. If the earth is a billion years old, great. It's really old, and God's been faithful over it all that time. 
if it's 8,000 years old, great. God's been faithful and obedient and caring for it all this time. Does that make sense? Does that offend you? I hope, I hope it doesn't offend you. I don't know why it would. But it doesn't, it doesn't change my faithfulness to Jesus one way or the other. Jesus was with God in the beginning. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. I trust Jesus Christ to know. And so I don't want to diverge down paths in the book of Genesis that I don't know that it's trying to answer. It's not trying to tell you how old the earth is. It's trying to tell you that Jesus, it's trying to tell you that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth and we trust in him and him only. It's trying to tell you that. We stay faithful to God. Whether the earth is a billion years old, a gazillion, billion, trillion years old, or if it was just made last week, and it's been one weird, you know, like we talk about like some weird conspiracy theory or like whatever. I, I like the internet. It's fun. All right. But friends, the question is, is who is the creator? The creator is Elohim. The creator is God himself. And what's fun about the word create there is, is that when it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the word created there, it is used exclusively by God or for God's creation. It is a word that is exclusive for God's creative act, not only in Genesis, but it's used elsewhere in God's creative work and the ongoing happenings of everyday life. That it is God still at work, God still creating, God still renewing, God still caring for his creation. And throughout the Bible, whenever the word is used, it is used exclusively for God working. God working in the world. God working in people's lives. And so as we kind of work our way through scriptures, I'm excited when we get to Isaiah where it, this sort of comes out even more. That God is the creator God and caring for his creation. So God is forming and filling. There is a sort of sense of chaos in the world that, that God is bringing order and structure and he's caring for his creation. He's forming and filling it that we might be his creation. The crowning achievement of creation. Everything was good. It separates the stars and the sky. Everything's good. Everything's good. And then when he gets to humankind, he says it is very good. And you've heard this message before. You've been encouraged by it before. I just want to simply remind you of what God is doing. When God creates humankind, he says that we are what? We are created in what? We are created in his image. I want you to look at everybody around you here and say you are created in God's image. You guys are really great at that. Look at your neighbors and say you are created in God's image. All right. Now, let's just t let's just let's just take that for a second. Take it all in. You are created in God's image. Is there anybody that's not created in God's image? No. Um, what does that even really mean though? I, I should have uh should have brought a picture with me, but we don't actually print pictures anymore. They're just all on our phones, right? Uh but if I were to take a picture of my family, that image would be representative of Wendy and me and Oliver, Ellie, and Audrey. And that picture, would it would bear some sort of meaning, right? And if I were to hold that picture up and I were to rip the picture in half, 
I would never do that, sweetie. But that would communicate something, right, about my feelings. It would communicate something about how I feel about them. That that image bears meaning because of what it represents. You hear me on that? The image bears meaning because of what it represents. God imparting his image on humankind gives us our meaning by what we represent. We have meaning and we have purpose and we have our identity because we are created in the image of God. And so if we just take that from, you know, the piece of paper idea, then and we sort of kind of elaborate on it into our everyday lives, how we treat people is how we are treating God. How we treat one another, how we feel about ourselves, how we talk about others, how we Whatever we do is a attributing of how we care about God and worship Him. And here's how Jesus boils it down, and I think it makes the most sense. What does Jesus say the greatest commandment is? To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to do what? To love our neighbor as ourselves. And what I think the greatest commandment commandments does is it teaches us how to care for one another as image bearers of God. You have meaning because of who you represent. And how I treat you is how I love God. And how you treat me is and how you treat your neighbor and how you treat your spouse as you as you treat your children and your neighbors and your coworkers and your grandkids as you treat every person that you interact with. You are caring and worshiping and glorifying God. How you treat someone. So does it make sense for me to take a picture of my family and rip it in half? No. Does it make sense for us to treat someone terrible, to gossip about them, to slander them, to speak ill of them, to belittle them, to mock them, to ridicule them, to whatever? punch them, hit them, kick them, spit on them, slander them, whatever. All of those bad things. Does it make sense for us to do that? When we know that their meaning is derived from the image that they represent. And so I want to make my life, my life about loving God and loving others. And what that means then for me in everyday aspects of my life then is is that how do I love and care for people and bring dignity and honor and respect? And so when you start thinking about what the Bible teaches us to do as Christians, to be hospitable, to love one another as Christ loved us, to care for the poor and lift up the hurting, it starts making sense that, that I'm... I am, and my purpose is derived from the image that I represent. And the image that you represent. That I would care for, love, and minister to every person around me. That every person has dignity. Every person has this thing going for them. The competing narratives that Israel was facing would not lead people down this path. The purpose of humanity was not anywhere remotely close to this. 
your existence was to serve and glorify God. It was to placate Pharaoh. It was your existence was simply there to exist and function as though your purpose was to work really hard. And that was it. But when I pick up the Bible and I read it, what jumps off the page, especially in chapter 2 of Genesis, is relationship. It's not good for man to be alone, and so he's given a spouse. He's given one, a helper in his life, to have a relationship with. When I picture the Garden of Eden, and there's Adam and Eve, and there's God, and there is relationship. Relationship. When I look at the Bible, especially at the beginning of all of it, there is a deep sense of it calling us towards relationship, caring for one another, caring for creation. God has bestowed upon each and every one of us a great task to care for others. And he says, I'm setting you over all of the animals and all of creation. I want you to care for it. And I think all of it is rooted in this. All of it is rooted in our image bearing, being created in God's image, that we would find our identity and our purpose in him. So you might be thinking, Jordan, you haven't really answered what my purpose is. You haven't really narrowed it down for me. And if you guys just want to just take your time one by one, I'll tell you what you need to do on your way out, right? I think you need to spend time with God and ask him, where, where does my meaning come from? What image am I truly created in? Because I think that we have a lot of competing narratives going on in our existence today. Competing narratives that would ha lead us to believe that our dignity and worth is attributed to how much money we have. That our dignity and worth is attributed to what work that we do. What work that we don't do. Whether you are a factory worker, whether you're a janitor, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a nurse, whether what role and work gives you more dignity than someone else? Well, if you play by the games of the world, then there's certainly a hierarchy of stature. But when you believe in the narrative of the Bible, you understand that your intrinsic meaning and purpose and identity is rooted in the image of God in which you're created. And all of those things fall to the side when you realize that you are created and you are renewed and you are loved by Jesus Christ. You are God's kid. You belong to God. Your identity is in Him, and you represent Him in this world, no matter what you do. Does that make sense? Is that an encouragement to you, or a little reminder that we need, right? Our world has gotten crazy, and it seems like it's crazier every day. The more time you sp we spend on social media and all those things, we can tend to, and this is more for the young people, we can think that our identity and worth is attributed to how many likes we have, how many followers we have, how many connections we make. 
we think about in our lives. Where does our meaning and our truth come from? Genesis 1 and 2 is saying our truth, our worth, our meaning, our purpose is rooted in God only. You are created in His image. Your life has meaning and purpose and you are loved because of that truth right there. We can navigate all of the craziness in life by simply spending time in Genesis 1 and 2 and knowing that our purpose and our identity is rooted in God. Now it all goes way downhill in chapter 3, and we'll cover that in the, in the weeks to come. But today, the creation story, it was written to compete with the narratives that basically destroyed our dignity and stole worship from God. But let it restore our dignity and let it bring glory and praise and honor to the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And let us think about what we worship and who we worship. Are we worshiping the created things or are we worshiping our creator? Are we glorifying him or are we seeking for it for ourselves? And we find our true meaning and purpose and the identity that we have in God. You are all image bearers. Every last one of you, created in the image of God, for his glory and his praise. Let's pray. God, thank you for working in our lives every day. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for your work in our hearts and our minds this morning. And God, there are many challenges in the culture that we face. Challenges to be faithful, challenges to trust in you, challenges uh, Lord, to understand our own identity and where we come from. And God, so we ask that you would call us back to you and remind us this morning, remind us today that our identity is foundationally in you. We are your image bearers, that you have given us meaning, you have given us identity, you have given us life. Lord, you have created us for a purpose. You have created us for a reason. And may we love and care for the people around us. May we know our purpose in you today. We thank you and we praise you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who is renewing us in his image. Lord, that we may glorify you in all of our lives. Lord, as we continue to study your word and dig in together, may we be reminded of your faithfulness. May we see in the story how you used people and are still using people today. God, would you use us this week to love someone who needs love, who maybe needs to hear this week that they're created in God's image. God, we pray for boldness. We pray for strength. We pray for your words of wisdom your words of grace, your words of truth. May your spirit guide us as, your, as we are your children, your church. Heirs to the promise, forgiven of our sins. God, we love you. May we glorify you in all that we do. We love you in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to the Jordan Eckes Sermon Podcast. We hope it brought you great encouragement. Until next time, God be with you.